You're listening to the Australian Water Association podcast series. My name is Joe Taranto and joining me is Justin Frank, Chief Customer Officer for Suez Australia and New Zealand. And we're discussing driving the change to a circular economy. Welcome, Justin. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. Where are you joining us from today, Justin? So um, I'm dialing in from my home office today. So uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, we've mobilised uh, all our uh, office-based employees to be working from home to try and stop the spread. So I do apologise if there are any uh, interruptions from any little critters in the background. That's completely understandable. We're going to be talking about a place a lot further afield from home today. We're talking about the city of Dijon. What's so remarkable about Dijon? Justin? Well, Joe, for those listeners who, who don't know where Dijon is, it's uh, it's a relatively small city in, in France, equidistant between Paris and Lyon. Uh, so Paris with a population of about 15 million, Lyon with a population of about 4 million. Dijon, stuck in between its biggest siblings, really had a bit of a brand issue, uh, losing its uh, talent to the biggest siblings always fighting for investment, which is big, bigger siblings uh, got as well. Uh, really only famous uh, globally for its mustard and its uh, and its red wine. So the mayor of Dijon, who we had a relationship with through our water and uh, waste management uh, solutions, really wanted to try and change that. And working with uh, our consortium partners of Buig, Citalum and Cap Gemini, uh, we've turned Dijon into the first connected city in France uh, to try and coordinate multiple functions of the city to improve the quality of life for its citizens and attract further innovation uh, to the city through uh, an open source data lake. So Dijon is really France's first smart city? You could say that, from, certainly from a connected uh, perspective with a command and control centre coordinating the city. It would be the first um, certainly coordinated city, uh, smart city in France, I would suggest. So what sort of initiatives can be coordinated? Anything that can be turned into the Internet of Things can be coordinated. So some of the listeners may be thinking, well, Suez, famous for water infrastructure and, and waste management solutions, why have they moved into smart cities? Well, one of our core competencies is to manage complicated networks, whether they be water networks around the world, where we have over 6 million smart water meters already in place, growing at a rapid rate of knots, uh, running complicated uh, water treatment plants, whether they be desal plants, filtration plants, or wastewater treatment plants, or running complicated uh, logistics and supply chain networks with multiple moving nodes uh, in terms of trucks and multiple static nodes around supply chains to manage uh, the circular economy from a, a waste management perspective. What we do is we take the data that those uh, different uh, networks generate, we turn that into information and turn that into knowledge to make better decisions to uh, improve safety, efficiency, uh, productivity, etc. So why not add an air quality sensor into, into that or traffic lights or street signage or CCTV um, to start coordinating multiple functions of a city? And effectively, that's what we've done. And the role that we play in Dijon and other smart cities now across Europe is the uh, O&M, so Operation and Maintenance Provider, to keep the, uh, the rhythm ticking uh, within the city. 
And so Suez is in quite a long contractual arrangement there. Why is it important to have that length of time when it comes to your relationship with Dijon? So, so the contract's a 12-year contract, um, 105 million euros all up. Um, the, the, the longevity of the contract is quite important because it's a performance-based contract. So we've created uh, over 500 standard operating procedures for multiple different events that could happen in the city. And we are um, remunerated uh, based on our performance to those uh, um, key, key performance indicators. So if there is uh, an incident in the city, let's say a motorcyclist is, is, is hit by a car, we have to respond within um, certain timeframes to get the bollards uh, down for the emergency services to, to get there in the, in the, in the quickest um, possible way to put bollards up to other areas of the city to stop traffic getting there, to, uh, to interrupt the emergency services, to um, put digital street signage moving traffic and, and, and pedestrians away from the area to um, putting traffic lights on blink to know that um, there is an issue ahead to notifying citizens through an app which is which is uh, being developed to favor the uh, the tramway uh, instead of taking the road so that we can respond to that incident and get the emergency services who are uh, the police are actually uh, co-located with us separated by a frosted um, glass wall so we can't see the cctv um, to make that uh, the most efficient and safest uh, response um, to, to the system. That's just one example. So the, the longevity of the contract is important to continue to, to build out those uh, standard operating procedures, to start to build the data lake that the different connected nodes bring into the, to the brain of the control center um, so that you know, startups and innovators can can work through the innovation hub that the mayor of Dijon has set up to start to mash other data together to look at um, new solutions that can improve the quality of life for Dijon citizens. How then will this smart city initiative drive a circular economy, Justin? It, it depends how you look at a uh, at a smart city. So, you know, a definition that we use is, is an urban area that uses technology and data as enablers to improve the quality of life for its citizens. So the more you coordinate different functions of the city, the more you can start to, to do things more efficiently. So as an example, the, um, the LED lighting that's been put in will firstly give the, the city a payback quite quickly. Um, reducing its energy costs by 65%, but it will also reduce the energy consumption of the city. Once you start to move into other areas of smart cities like water, um, if you use some of the Suez solutions like Aqua Advanced Solutions, you can start to look at better movement of water around the network and distribution of water, which is one of the most uh, energy-hungry um, functions of a city, to make sure that you're shaving those peaks off uh, the tariffs uh, of expensive um, times to move water. Um, if you start to look at um, smart water meters to reduce the amount of leakage in a city, um, then you can start to protect you know, one of our most precious resources, which is water. Uh, and when you look at an Australian context, uh, the droughts that we've, we've witnessed uh, recently, um, any way that you can reduce leakage 
uh, and improve reuse um, within a city makes it a more resi- resilient city to overcome these these uh, events of, of mother nature. When you look at the waste management side of things, there are smarts that you can put in place, uh, which is which aren't in Dijon at the moment, but um, you can put them in place in terms of smart bins, smart compactors for your commercial and industrial clients um, to improve uh, collection efficiencies, but also to um, start to ca- categorize the waste that is going into the bins and start to educate um, the the population on on what they can be doing to get better source separation, which is critical to get clean streams um, of, of waste types so that they can be converted into new products, whether that be compost from an organic perspective, whether that be um, new cardboard uh, from, from a cardboard perspective, or whether that be uh, plastic flakes or pellets from the different plastic types that we that we can sort and, and um, work with partners to uh, turn into new new resources to be used in new products in it in a full circular economy. You mentioned Justin that Dijon hasn't focused a huge amount on water infrastructure. Are there any other cities that have done that really well? Yeah, so so Dijon has um, a water agreement in place already, so that's why it didn't come into this specific smart city or connected city um, proposal. Uh, but if I look at some of the work that we did in Singapore. Um, really looking at changing behaviours within uh, consumption and usage of water. Um, we, we put our OnConnect system uh, into three apartment blocks, so roughly uh, 600 apartments, um, and created an app um, that, that was connected through to the OnConnect smart meter network. Um, that started to detail water consumption trends um, started to uh, alert um, leakages through alarms uh, and, and provide personal tips, uh, gamification and challenges and rewards to the users within those apartments uh, within Singapore to um, incentivize them to change the behavior on water usage. The results in, in the pilot were, were pretty were pretty encouraging. So uh, over 99.9% data accuracy from the comms solution, which is which is very, very high indeed. Uh, a 4% leakage volume identified in the household. So being able to identify it and then address it obviously reduces the, the consumption. 52% sign up with um, more than two thirds of the customers connecting at least twice a month and 8.1% water savings with leak alarms and, and the gamified customer engagement. So in a, in a relatively short period of time, over 8 million litres of water was saved through using smart water meters, a digi- digital application and a customer interface that really does change the behaviour and usage of water. So whilst that's not been put into Dijon, they are certainly opportunities that um, provide itself in in the cities here, which you know are becoming more and more um, populated around the world uh, and in Australia, with more people migrating to the cities, which globally represent only two percent of the world's surface, but fifty percent of the world's population, seventy five percent of the world's um, energy consumption and, and over 80% of the, the world's CO2. So we really need to look at cities not as the problem, but working on the, them being the solution and, and technology uh, and solutions like the uh, the smart water meters Singapore case study is, is just one way of doing that. 
does Dijon have some lessons for us here in Australia? Absolutely. I think Dijon's uh, willingness to um, collaborate and to bring multiple parts of the city and functions of the city together is a model that I think is, is important here. Um, it's, it's reducing the silos so that you can actually drive much more efficiencies and improvements to the quality of life of the citizens. So um, the consortium approach of bringing what I like to call the consortium of the willing together to look at all the challenges that the city may face and then putting their expertise together um, to, to help address those issues uh, is something that I think um, we could definitely learn from from an Australian perspective to be a little bit more open to collaborate, um, uh, open to work with uh, different um, industries and different um, business lines than we, we're used to working with here to make sure that we put the, the customer's needs at the heart of the solutions. And in this case, the customer is, is, is the city. So um, we don't see a huge amount of that here. Um, you see a lot of closed tenders uh, that are, you know, pretty function specific, whether it's just a lighting tender or a smart meter tender, but rather that holistic whole of city approach um, is, is a lesson to be learned. And, and the benefit for Dijon was by um, consolidating those different functions and tendering them together, there was a, a significant procurement savings. So I think it was roughly you know, 24 million Aussie dollars or roughly 15 million euros in terms of procurement savings upfront by by procuring the solutions as a consortium rather than putting out siloed uh, tenders one one after the other you've talked about the silo approach what other barriers are there for australian cities to take on a similar smart approach there's there's different barriers so you know there's differences between who owns the poles and wires in 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 france versus australia um the the, the difference between the utilities here um, so privately owned utilities versus publicly owned utilities. Um, either way, the barriers are, are able to be overcome uh, with collaboration and that open-mindedness to develop solutions that improve the the experience and the quality of life for its citizens. So there are barriers, but if the right people sit around the table with the right you know, innovative, collaborative mindset, um, they can be overcome. So what does the future look like in Australia for you, Justin? What do you, would you like to see happen in the next little while? So we're working with, with multiple um, cities and, and precincts to, to try and, and um, build a consortium of the willing to better understand their needs. I'd like to see um, more um, joined up thinking uh, from, from the cities and precincts so that we can really um, pull the, the 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 partners that we have in our global um, um, base to, to really work with cities to look at energy to look at water to look at waste to look at air to look at soil um, you know wh whatever is 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 the need within within those cities I'd love to see more um, tenders coming out more information coming out more information around the the challenges and the problems that these cities are facing. Uh, and, and reaching out for you know a global uh, view on on how they can be addressed. Well, let's hope you can get back to Dijon and other cities 
around the world soon, Justin. I've been speaking with Justin Frank, Chief Customer Officer for Suez Australia New Zealand. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Joe.